Hi, everybody. This is Tracy, and I'm delighted you've joined me for this episode of Good Life Stories. I created this podcast because I believe we are all seeking connection, and what better way to do that than through story? So get ready. These stories are meant to suck you in. Welcome to Good Life Stories. Hi there. Today on Good Life Stories, I want to introduce you to my friend, Wenda Zonnefeld. She is an, I don't know, a sound genius. She's an incredibly talented musician and singer and has had just a fantastic life with so many wonderful stories. The story that I asked her to share with us today was the one of how she got started working with the Centrum Budshank Jazz Festival and how she got to work with Phil Woods. I hope you enjoy listening to Wenda today. Well, so I wanted to talk to you because when we talked last time about the Budshank Jazz Festival and you kind of got started with a story about like how you ended up helping people there. And I would just love to hear more about kind of, you know, how did that invitation to even be there start? I remember you told me a little bit about it, but I would just love to hear more about that, that story and that time. Okay. All right. So um, I will touch on how I ended up being there was I was a student of Don Lanfear and Mm -hmm. um, Don Lanfear, a lot of people don't know this, but uh, because of his photography, when he was in the midst of the bebop era, following around Charlie Parker, Parker actually being on the same stage with him from times, um, took these pictures to send home to mom and dad who owned a music store. Those pictures ended up being um, part of a book called To Bird With Love from Chan Parker. And that book ended up being um, what started the um, Bird movie. And a lot of the pictures and um, scenery was based on those pictures that Don Anker had from Oh, wow. So it's, it's pretty wild to be taking lessons from such um, uh, a, a person. He was very good. You know, he was just as good as any other icon, but he mm. wasn't an icon. You know, he was, mm. he, but he, he lived the life. And, um, and then uh, a, lot, a lot of these jazz musicians ended up becoming squeaky clean. I mean, they, they mm. kind of went through the drug movement before anyone knew what it was. And so once, mm-hmm. once it became a problem, to the masses, they, they had already been there, done that, right? Right. <laughs> so anyway, Don Lanfear taught, and he was a great teacher. And um, and I um, I was a student at the very beginning. I didn't um, know what I did not know. Right. And I did not know I was so lucky to be taught by this guy. And right. he told me about this workshop and uh, said, you really need to go. And so I missed the first year. Because the summer was when I made most of my money um, right. repairing instruments because I did a lot of school district work, which was crazy hard work. And, and uh, yeah. I would hire relatives to do grunt stuff. And, yeah. <laughs> so, including my dad. I hired my dad as a grunt, which is crazy. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so I'm there at the um, workshop, and it's at Fort Warden. And mm. Fort Warden, a lot of people um, know it as um, where the, an officer and a gentleman was filmed. Yeah. And um, it's a beautiful town in Port Townsend where it, it's, I guess, located very near. And uh, yeah. all the um, old architecture, Victorian buildings and stuff. But Fort Warden, um, it's it's barracks. You're staying in barracks while yeah. you're in this jazz 
clinic. And um, sometimes you get magical groups. And I was there when um, it became magical. I was there before it became magical. And then when it did become magical with, with the, the people who are just like symbiotic relationship, we just understood what each other was thinking and that our motives were good yeah. and all that kind of thing. So who all was there that the, the year it became magical, who all, when you, when you think back, like who were, who were the people you were thinking of when you were talking about the ones that you really clicked? With? Well, the players, um, Bud Shank headed it and it was also called the Bud Shank Jazz Workshop. Um, and, and it was called the Centrum Jazz Workshop. It had, I'm not sure when each name took over, but Bud Shank um, was well known for the Lighthouse All-Stars and he had a couple of Grammys for some of his recordings. And, and, I didn't know this till doing some research later with um, my own uh, uh, musical research, which I'll have to touch on later. But anyway, Bud Shank was also part of a band called the Stan Kenton Band at one time. Uh-huh. And uh, if you look up Stan Kenton, the people who played in his band are just a who's who of jazz. I know. Just amazing. So um, anyway, Bud Shank invited a bunch of his friends from both East Coast and West Coast. And it's funny, before um, rap was East Coast and West Coast, jazz was East Coast and West Coast. And Bud was like the common denominator for a lot of these players. So it was really interesting. There was the cool jazz movement that was West Coast. And I think bebops uh, kept around a lot on the East Coast. But um, a lot of them played with the Stan Canton band. And Stan was not, like with some band leaders, uh, you know, they have their own demons. And if you look up Wikipedia on him, personality-wise, it it was not so hot. Um, But interestingly enough, it also made it so that a lot of people got put through the ropes in that band and then went out on their own. And so, and that's leadership is a great way of, of becoming a stronger musician. So, yeah. So, pumped out a lot of leaders, man. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. So, that's for sure. Anyway, some of the people like um, Bud Shank, Bobby Shue, Hal Galper, Phil Woods, which is an amazing thing that I got to know him. And same with yeah. Bobby Shue, I got to be pen pals with him for a while. Um, Jigs right. Wiggum, I got to play tennis with him. Um, oh gosh. And then there's, there's, there's local people who are just as talented, like Chuck Deerdorf and Mark Seals and, um, gosh, I'm going to leave out people that I really shouldn't leave out, but it's, it's all right. You'll come back to them later. It was just amazing. It was just an amazing hoo-hoo of, of players and, um, the, the jokes were rampant and yeah, it was yet when it came down to playing, we, we all jumped in. Oh, and the Clayton brothers, Jeff and John Clayton. Unfortunately, Jeff passed during the pandemic. Um, and then there was a Jay Clayton who was, she's a woman, um, vocalist. And yeah. they're not really related, but I bet you if they did their genealogy, they figured it out, right? But, yeah. uh, but Jay did some amazing stuff um, that was just cutting edge at the time with um, pedals and looping before anyone even knew what looping was and harmonizing with herself vocally. And it was just amazing. We're all like, oh, this is so cool. We're all going to do this. We're all going to buy these machines, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, it was just a lot of innovation and yet 
the hard, hard work of being a jazz musician, memorizing all of the chords and progressions and scales and relationships between the scales, um, um, which I don't know, I'm talking all over the board here, but a lot of people don't realize, including my own mother for quite a while, what's going on when you improvise a solo. It's actually years and years of hard work of memorizing. Yeah. Um, and so it, it, it's funny because Charlie Parker has this quote that no one understands. He says, well, you learn it and then you forget it. And But what he really meant, because Don Ladford was roommates of Charlie Parker and knew what he really meant, was yeah. um, that you learn it to the point where you don't have to think it. it you know, yeah. It's kind of like if you have to sing a, B, C, D, E, F, G, okay. Um, in order to know that G is the fifth point of that song, you're, you're, it's not the same kind of <laughs> study that's yes. going to make it so that you can play an instrument and know what chord is going to be awesome and what connection between these two chords is going to be awesome to center on for the solo yeah. that you're playing at the time. It, yeah. it's, it's a ton of work, but your brain eventually evolves so that it yeah. can handle it's it. It's like building a giant vocabulary. It is. It you know, is. The, once you've read more and more and more and you understand depths of language, it's just a different music. It's just a language that most people never become as acquainted with. Right. And, and there's also the, the theory, I can get deep in the woods on this. So, you know, say, Wenda, and stop me, okay? Yeah. <laughs> but um, part of um, Stan Kenton, um, was a trombonist named George Russell, and he wrote out a music theory called the uh, Lydian Chromatic Concept of Tonal Organization. And this is part of the reason why I know about them being connected to Stan Kenton and all this through my own research, was each teacher in the clinic would hand out handouts, you know, mimeographed papers that everyone had had right. to sniff, right, when you get them. Um, but, uh, there's this handout that everybody had, and it was actually a mimeographed little handout that George Russell originally created to explain how to think through um, the jazz process, how to think through the, um, the theory. Right. And there are some portions of this theory that clashes with classical theory. However, when I use the Lydian chromatic concept to, you know, you know like to prove your work in math and to prove your yeah. work in music, I've never run into a dead end when it's a musical piece where with classical theory, I run into lots of dead ends trying to quote unquote prove it. And right. George Russell was just a genius and everybody in that Stan Kenton band knew it. And so um, it was amazing. So many people handed out these handouts that I started accumulating these handouts, not just from that, but from right. um, my own studies later in life and going, wait a minute, I've seen this before. And yeah. I, I, I took two weeks off from life and created a book of, I created two of them, of everything I ever learned. Everything. Yeah. And oh, so wow. Of all, of all the handout materials. And, and um, anyway, uh, it, it took me quite a while. And, and that's how I, I uh, tracked down these handouts and realized, well, so-and-so gave me this, but then the other person gave me this. What's the relationship? Because they didn't, they didn't talk about Stan Kenton because they were all still kind of mad. Right. Yeah. But that right. was the connection. That was the, yeah. the the center point that they all diverged from. Well, and I think what you're what you're touching on that that sheet 
that boiled it down to, you know, at least in that moment at the workshop, the one thing you were looking at, the amount of knowledge and experience and the depth of understanding to be able to reduce it to one sheet. Right. It didn't tell everything, but it basically told where the misunderstanding of classical theory was so that you wouldn't get stuck in that dead end. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and that's the, but that to me, that's the, the sign of when someone understands something, you know, on that, that crazy complicated level, when they can explain it simply, like, you know, you, they're never going to give you all the detail because they wouldn't need to, but for you guys sitting in that workshop, you know, the people there had enough knowledge to be able to make that useful where someone who didn't have that knowledge couldn't even use the sheet. They wouldn't even understand it. I had to, I had to search more and study more, um, to learn how to be able to use it in orchestration, you know, to make bigger projects. It, it was more yeah. useful for the soloist than, um, but, but then there was great composers at this workshop too, Bob Kerno um, and Kim Richmond. They both are multi-winner composers. And again, they had this understanding um, that the book is still for sale as a used book. It really needs to be republished. Um, when he passed it, it stopped being published. So Wenda, what did you, what have you done with your books? Have you done anything with those? <laughs> Are they available to anybody else? No, they're not available to anybody else. And I'm so afraid of losing one that I made a book one and book two in case one of the structures where they're kept burns down or something. Because right. I, I do not want to be without it. It's, it's going to be more and more, um, uh, just automatic for me with a lot of yeah. it. But once in a while, I'm like, oh, what are the lower interval limits, you know, or something like that. Yeah. And, and I'll look it up and go, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, but um, it's, it's still, it's just nice to have. So, yeah. so, you know, if I'm, if I ever lose half my head, I'm like, well, I can still rebuild it. You can still rebuild it. <laughs> Oh my gosh. So tell me, so on your research stuff, when you were, when you were just mentioning that before, that was, um, you know, was the research around that, you know, kind of these creating these books for yourselves, you know, compilate compilation of all these, um, worksheets and stuff like that. Is that what your research was around or do you have other stuff that you've done for musical research? I know you always amaze me with what you know about that kind of stuff. Oh, well, I, I, you know, I, I was a um, graduate of the, um, film scoring, um, Northwest Film Scoring Program that was led by Emmy-winning Hummy Man. And, yeah. and Hummy Man is known for doing a lot of Mel Brooks films. And, um, and he, just, he just did a short uh, recently that's got Mel Brooks as a feature in it, which is awesome. Um, but uh, Hummy Man actually gave me one of these handouts too. And that's what nice. made me go, I am going crazy. I know this, and I know he never gave this to me before. And he got it from Berkeley. And Berkeley didn't call it the Lydian chromatic concept. Berkeley called yeah. it modal interchange, but it's Russell's theory. And oh, um, funny, yeah. So, uh, but when Honey was in that course, they only taught it after you did everything else first. So, right. so you had to, you had to wear out the teachers with all the other theory, and then they say, okay, we'll teach this one, and here it's for me the most useful one. But um, so, yeah, that's what got me really looking into it um, yeah. was, was graduating from Hummy's class and, and um, going through my notes. And with Hummy, I would go home 
we had one-on-one sessions with him when we did our final film scores. And I did right. a couple. You could, you could audit the film and do another audit class and do another yeah. you know, final class. But um, the one-on-one sessions, um, you would have things orchestrated out. And Hummy would look at it and then explain to you why it was wrong. And, right. <laughs> and, and then, um, and some of it was subjective, you know, it had a lot to do with where it, where this orchestration was in the middle of the song and what was happening in the scene. Um, right. it wasn't just, oh, you play this chord behind this or that. It was really so many other things involved. But I, every time I go home, well, I first go in my car and I had a little audio recorder and I repeat verbatim everything he had said to me. So I wouldn't forget yeah. it on the drive home. And then I'd go home and I'd be up for two hours typing it all out, putting it in notation and showing this is what Honey did, this is what I did. And yeah. pretty soon I understood him better with how he orchestrated. And he's amazing. He's an amazing orchestrator. Yeah. So and it was really great to study with him. Yeah. Well, and what a what a neat process to go through to really start learning about you know, film score orchestration specifically, because there's so many elements going on beyond your music, you know, whether it's audio, action, picture, you know, you name it, like, there's just so many layers to that, right? And to start learning the, the, the nuance of that. It's a huge advantage to be a jazz musician, too, because Homie's talking as fast as jazz musicians. So he's right. writing out the chords and stuff. And you're like, Oh, yeah, the B flat would go to the C there, you know, and other people are going, what, what, what third, what fourth, you know? Yeah, and, the what? Yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about? It's, it's, it's really, really great to just have all of that stuff memorized because you can take it in. It's not unusual to do that course twice, just to yeah. understand. And it's, yeah. and it's a really, um, uh, oh gosh, this is terrible, but more people graduated my year than other years because I gave out my notes <laughs> and my notes were kind of, you know, they, I kind of, helped everybody. And there was a point where, um, Hummy said, I, I realized something had gone wrong. And I told Hummy, I said, you know, I'm really sorry. I didn't realize because someone I'm all over the board here. Someone was demanding the notes from me because they wanted to teach the class in another college, <laughs> which is kind of like, that's funny. It's a big no, no, you know? And so yeah. I wrote to Hummy and said, I am so sorry. I did not know I created this monster. And, and so he sent out a, a big email saying, Hey, no one else get notes from Wenda. I'm, I'm stopping it now. No more notes from Wenda. But he wasn't happy with me because more people graduated. Usually like four, four to six people graduate each year. And that year there was like 13, which meant he had that much more work to do. Um, yeah. You know, and, and also, you know, I, I don't know why I was so generous with the notes. I just was, you know. It's just you. Well, but you wanted more people to get it like you know yeah true distilling it through you helped <laughs> it it's it's probably you know growing up with teachers and all that you, you love it when people's light bulbs go off right mm-hmm. but but i i didn't help i didn't help the, the bigger picture <laughs> yeah yeah but you know it's it's funny i mean it sounds like you know especially for him you know if you didn't have some experience as a jazz musician or something that that it would be normal to have to repeat it just because you couldn't keep up with the notes, like just being able to understand what he was talking about. You know, the, you're not going to raise your hand and say, can you just go repeat the last five minutes? <laughs> right. And when we get to that level too, if, if there's a humility that's needed and 
it's, it's, it's kind of a thing I've noticed just in life with jazz musicians with everybody I really admire is if they have humility, they keep learning. Yeah. But if, if they don't, they're, they're not going to keep learning. And some of these musicians were so amazing. And yet they were more humble than the mediocre musicians that came to my, my shop. Right. And, right. Like, and I started to notice, okay, this guy's got a big ego and he's not that good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But with, with the class, it's, oh, I could be all over the board here. Please excuse me. I, 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 had, okay. I had a doctor who told me the same thing. He had this beautiful southern drawl, and he was um, he, he was an electrical engineer, a, an obstetrician, a pilot, and he passed the bar. But um, oh, wow. to talk to him, he just talked like this, just real nice and sweet, saying, "Wendy, we're gonna figure this out." And, and one time, I was upset for um, being mistreated, and he uh, asked me what was going on and all that. And he told me a story about how he would be um, an expert w um, at conventions. And there would always be the front row who didn't take notes and just sat there. And then um, after it was over, they'd walk up to him and say, I I'd like the literature that you hand out. And he would say, there is no literature. <laughs> you didn't listen, you didn't listen. And, um, you know, I, he, he was, and so he was telling me, you know, don't give it to the people who don't want it. Don't, don't give away knowledge if, if, if they really weren't hungry enough to want it in the first place. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, but, but also we were discussing the same thing about ego and that's why they don't know their stuff. They went in there with such an ego at this convention that yeah. they didn't learn what they should have learned. They thought, oh, I'll just get the paperwork. Yeah. So, I don't know. You might want to cut all this out. I'm, I'm diverging everywhere. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I love I love talking to you. Like, you, you just have so much that you've learned that I'm, and that you're such a good teacher. I love how you explain things. And I love now how you're going to make it so things. I won't be able to learn anything, dear. You're going to give me an ego. <laughs> No, but see, but you've just gone, you've spent so much time in the musical world. Like what you know is just so unique and I love learning about it. You're a sweetie so, pie. Stop. Yeah, but it's true. <laughs> it's true. Um, so let's see. I was just trying to think of what, um, if you have any other fun little tidbits from that festival that come to mind. Oh, yeah. So the Pete Chrisloop story, right? Yeah. Okay. So um, my first year there. And like I said, I was naive. I didn't know I was supposed to have all this stuff memorized, right? I just thought, oh, right. I can play it by ear. Well, that doesn't cut it then, you know. But uh, I didn't have time to fix my own horn. I was doing a school district work still. So I packed up a bunch of stuff and organized these pads and stuff and brought my settling tank and shellac and um, pads and cork and what I thought my horn was going to need. And it needed quite a bit, actually. Right. So the first night I worked on my horn and uh, got it playing pretty good. Not had took two nights to get it fixed. But um, Pete uh, knew that I was a repair person because Don told him, and apparently Pete's horn wasn't right, but I didn't know this. And the, the second night, um, some kids knock on my door and said, um, Pete says you're really good. I'm like, yeah, and I'm thinking it's not my plane. I just heard that, you know, and, yeah. And he said, no, didn't you have stuff to fix horns? I said, yeah. And I said, well, he said for us to, for me to 
uh, get my horn fixed by you. Can you do that? Do you have the stuff? I said, sure, you know. And um, can I pay you? Yeah, yeah, that's allowed, you know. And uh, and, and so um, she says, well, I got to get back to Pete after I fixed her horn. And, and I said, why? He says, oh, I have, he says, he has to test play it after you're done. I'm like, oh, great. Check, you know, I was, still wasn't thinking what was happening. I'm like, right, right. You're thinking, great. He's checking my work. You yeah, know? yeah. And so, and then this happened night after night. I'm at like three horns on a row. Um, I'm, I'm fixing. And, uh, and then another knock on the door. And I'm like, okay, who is it this time? And it's Pete. And he says, yeah, I need you to fix my horn. Um, I didn't know if you were any good, but now I do. And so, ah. so basically he was auditioning me before he let any, you know, me touch his horn, which I think is smart because yep. you can ruin a horn. And, and he was on tour. After, a lot of these guys, they do the camps and concerts and the whole summer. They're, they're traveling until they get back home. So right. to have your horn go bad is, is not a good thing. No. So after that, he told everybody in the class. And so I was pretty busy. And, and then before the next year, I was still thinking about whether to go. And I get yeah. this phone call from Bud Shank. And, uh, but I didn't know it was Bud. I thought it was one of my friends impersonating Bud. <laughs> <laughs> and, but then, you know, he convinces me and he says, well, I understand that um, we have a rule about you no know, hot plates in the um, dorm rooms, but we need one for an acetylene tank. And I'm like, oh, I'm in trouble. And he uh, says, oh, no, no, no. I, I want to give you a room in the schoolhouse. It's one of the buildings. It's part of the whole um, you know, fort. And, uh, yeah. and so he gave me a big room in the schoolhouse where um, my husband and I figured out how to do things without ruining the structure because we couldn't drill holes yeah. in the floor and stuff like that. But yeah. we, we figured out how to have a floor vice on a mount. And, and um, from, for about 13 more years, I was fixing horns there every summer. Wow. But how fun, though, because, I mean, of all the people who came through there that you got to meet oh, yeah. because of that and just, and just getting to be there, you know, in that space and having the, that level of musician trust you with their instrument i mean you know you'd earned it by that point but it's still such a huge gesture of trust to hand over something like that yes and then it got even bigger but in a very nice way with phil woods um because right. he needed his horn fixed and and i think i told you this before i at the time i had an attitude when people called me baby and right. all my phil woods albums did not have his picture on it um right. and i had cds that were you know, made after the fact or something. Anyway, this guy comes in with his horn and says, oh, baby, 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 I need your help, baby. Oh, baby, baby, help me. My horn is in that baby, oh, baby. And, you know, instantly I'm like, don't call me baby, you know. Uh, I didn't right. say it to him, but I, yeah, I said, can you come back at two? And he says, okay, I'll come back at two. And so he leaves, and I still don't know who he is. And then three of my friends grab me, go, Linda, that was Phil Woods, and you said come back at two, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm like, oh dear, you know. And so, but he came back, and and um, and I I was working on his horn, and and um, I didn't know it was a hot day, and the windows were open, and I didn't know he was watching me through one of the windows behind my back, because again, these are their babies, you know, yeah. and they're on tour. This is scary for them. And anyway, there's this one little um, long rod screw that. That's, I mean, it's shorts, but it's, um, it's for this position on the saxophone that is not 
ergonomic in any way, shape or form. And so I always put my thumb in the way because my thumb heals, right? But the right. horn would not heal. But there's just right. no way to protect the horn other than that. I mean, I should have worn a thimble or something, but that's what something. I did. Something, yeah. And so I, I slipped because the horn had been worked on quite a bit and the slots were a bit worn and I slipped and um, and I keep my, my screwdrivers very sharp for this yeah. reason because you heal yeah. better when they're sharp. Yeah. But, um, and I stabbed my thumb and behind me I heard Phil go, <gasps> and I turned around and he says, be careful because he thought I just stabbed his horn. And I was just so glad my thumb was bleeding really good. It was just awesome. And yeah. so I turned around and said, you see this, Phil? I'd rather hurt me than your horn. I put it in the way in case that happened. And he just went, oh, oh, I'll leave you alone. I'll leave you alone. And, and <laughs> so I, um, I finished fixing his horn. But he saw all the other campers, uh, you know, people attending there, yeah. uh, how much demand there was on me. And he had this big... Um, group meeting I wasn't able to go to because there was so much work to do and, yeah. um, and there was people all over the world that year because it was Phil Woods I mean he was right. downbeat um, number one alto for decades and yeah. you know world awards and things yeah so um, you know there's people that needed translators that I mean it was it was crazy and so he in that meeting I didn't know what he said but if people came and told me their rendition of it but basically said treat her like gold and she is a princess and don't you dare make demands and blah 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 and she hasn't had lunch because of you guys and so then after that everyone's offering me food and <laughs> you know trying to outbid each other for having me fix their horn while i'm there and, and i said no first come first serve but yeah if you bring me lunch i'll be happy you know and so yeah. i ended up taking home food that that week because <laughs> I mean, they brought me cheesecakes and <laughs> you name it. Yeah, it was showing up. That's awesome. Yeah, I ended up giving away some of it because you know yeah. it, it, it needed to be enough. You can only eat so much. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Anyway, he was amazing. And then there was a magazine where he spoke about me later that I didn't know about. And um, it's funny because I didn't have my um, an ad in the phone book, and I didn't have my number in the phone book. Because remember that where yellow pages where you got in mm -hmm. every so many years and yeah. I didn't get in and I won't go into that story, but yeah. um, in uh, out of uh, regret from the phone company that gave me two years of free phone for not listing yeah. me. So I still wasn't listed. But then after Phil Woods um, recommended me, I couldn't get any work done. So, um <laughs> You know, I would I would end up having an answer machine. They were new then and answered the calls later so I could right. work. And I wasn't in the phone book. I was only by um, um, word of mouth. And, right. I, and I was busy. Just nice. But it was it was a nice group to work for. And I stopped in yeah, school. This what year an work. amazing group of people to get to work with. I mean, yeah. especially someone who really appreciates your your talent when you've put that much time into it. It's you know. it's sweet. And I mean, I can I can say, oh, I I've played Phil Woods' saxophone. I played Bud Shank's saxophone. I played Kim Richmond's saxophone. I played yeah. Bobby Shue's trumpet. I played Jake Wiggins' trombone. I got to play all these instruments too. Yeah. So I mean, I'm not a good trumpet trombonist by any means. No, no, no. You know. I just, just being know able to... if it works or not with, with yeah. brass instruments. Yeah. yeah. Oh, but that's so fun.
Wow, what an amazing story. Thank you for you you really fleshed out the details. That was that was beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> That's fun. But it's such a I mean, that was such a crucial time for you. Like, I mean, when we were talking before, you know, you were talking about what a huge change that brought, you know, from going from where you were at where you were doing all the the school repair stuff over the summer to basically getting to work with the absolute world's best musicians. And it evened out my year. And yeah. they all gave me little mini lessons. I right. would, sometimes I would jam with them. Right. And then sometimes, oh gosh, one time I turned down tickets because I was so pregnant and so tired. <laughs> and my sister-in-law bawled me out big time. It was, it was Michael, Michael Bolton's horn yeah. band. And, um, and so they gave me backstage stuff and I said, I'm sorry, I have to sleep for my baby, you know? And yeah. uh, my sister-in-law said, you didn't think of me. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so funny. But no, it was it was really, really a fun business. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's so amazing. Thank you. I just wanted to hear another version of that because it's so fun to hear you tell that story. <laughs> well, I don't know what else there is about it. I made notes. I, I touched on the theory. I touched on the people. Yeah. I don't know. Is there anything else you want to know? Oh my gosh, I'm sure I could keep you going for hours. That No, that was the big part. I just wanted to hear you tell that again, because you filled in so many more pieces of it. Oh, yeah. Oh, anyway, I, I know I was blessed. I know I was lucky. And, uh, yeah. uh, and it's just mind-blowing, really, to look back on. Yeah. Pretty amazing stuff. Well, awesome. Thank you. Thank you for taking some of your Sunday afternoon to chat with me again. It's always good to see your beautiful face. We'll have to find some time to go have lunch again. Uh, yeah, that'd soon. be wonderful. And thank you. And I, I wish my audio was better. I'm still testing things. No, you're welcome. It's, it's totally fine now. It's, it, it was good. It was just the headset that was buzzing. Yeah. So I'm, awesome. I'm still going to mess with that. I'd love to sometime like share a project on my other machine. And, and be yeah. able to share the screen because it's so fun to see. Yeah, that'd be really neat. I'd love to. Yeah. Love to. All right, you. Well, I'm going to let you go and get back to your Sunday. Thanks a million. Thank you. You have a great day. You too. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to Good Life Stories. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please visit our website at goodlifestories.com for more show notes and additional episodes. Please subscribe and consider rating and reviewing the show on Spotify or Apple Podcasts to help others connect to us. Who do you know with a good life story? I would love to hear from you. Good Life Stories, creating connection one story at a time.